0: Welcome back, listeners. This is Who Needs Healthcare with me, as always, Zach Wilkerson. What up? Oh, man. We're back. Absolutely. And we have a special episode today because we have our first guest. Who is it, Zach? It is Alicia Main, uh, Vice President of
1: Marketing for Connect Your Care. And why is she jumping on the pod? We are going to be discussing a, an exciting report um, about um, CDH account trends and um, health savings accounts, flexible spending accounts, a lot of really interesting um, things in the world of healthcare economics, which, I don't know, maybe, maybe doesn't sound exciting to just the general person, but if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably someone who thinks it's at least at least worth checking out.
0: Well, not only that though, we're talking about health savings accounts, uh, or you know, HSA, HRA, and FSA accounts. The vast majority of us have one of those. You know, so even if you're That's not fair. necessarily into the trend, you can learn a lot about your own managing your own healthcare costs on this episode. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, before we get into the report though, and get down to the nitty gritty, uh, we have something we have to do first, right?
0: Zack Longoria project All right, we're back and Like we mentioned earlier, uh, we are going to have our interview with Alicia Bain, but first we're going to do some uh, foundation on uh, the report and then get into the more granular topics once Alicia joins us. So, the report we're going over is called CDH, which is Consumer Directed Healthcare. So, CDH account trends, tax advantaged account usage, outlook, and perceptions. It's a 2018 report um, published by Connect Your Care, and. Basically, this report uh, is giving the results of um, what Connect Your Care did, which is leverage, uh, you know, powerful analytics and big data to, to see and understand how these accounts and their usage is going, right? So the three goals they had with this report were uh, consumers, primary health care, and retirement concerns, which, you know, should apply to all of us. Um, what factors influence account utilization? So, um, how are you sp- how, what variables are causing people to spend or save? Um, and then, the most important solution features as perceived by benefit administrators and decision makers within organizations. So, where do these individuals find value in these accounts and managing their healthcare costs? So, I've talked for too long. Zach, why don't you take over? What are some of the key findings?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there was actually some really interesting information uh, coming out of this. One of the really interesting things is that's maybe not so pr- surprising, but um, employees are very concerned with covering cost of, of healthcare care um, during retirement, which makes sense. You know, this is a, a period in your life where um, most likely your your net income is going to go down. Um, and your healthcare expenditure is going to go up. So this was the sixty-eight sixty-eight point seven percent of employee respondents said that this was their their primary concern, which is up five uh, percent year over year. So people are getting increasingly more anxious
0: about covering their costs in retirement. Um, which makes sense because in today's climate, with the the just you know exorbitant cost of some of the services in healthcare likewise the rising ho- cost of uh healthcare because of inflation it is you know it's you can see why more and more people are getting concerned year after year
1: yeah definitely um so so that was one of the more i think not not um one of the more unsurprising findings, I think. Um, It's a a pretty staggering number, but it's not that unsurprising. One thing that I thought was really interesting though, um, because I would have fallen um, on the side of the people who didn't really know about this, but um, only 44.9% of respondents uh, identified HSAs as a savings vehicle, which who knew um, that you can actually use your, your HSA is a a savings and and an investment vehicle.
0: Right. So they have an investment tool. So you can, you know, for all this, all that money that you're not spending in your HSA account, you know, it can start accumulating, um, a return as it just sits there, which I didn't know about either. I would have fallen victim of the 44.9%. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was, those were two of them. Another one that kind of stuck out, which is, um, This was not surprising to me, but I think uh, the reaction that you know a healthcare administrator would have when seeing this would be much more different. So it's that almost sixty-three percent of uh, respondents said uh, HSA or basically said uh, they use HSA investments to be cashed in for pre-retirement healthcare expenses. So that's not. You know, that doesn't sound crazy that you're spending the money that you're saving or that you're, you know, you have in your account, but the whole point of this HSA investment is to, you know, hold on to that so it can keep building on itself. But, you know, if you're spending it, then it's not really going to be building on itself at the same rate, you know, and this is 63% of people are saying this, but that's only of the percentage of people who are actually using HSA investments, right?
1: Yeah, and it, and it is interesting in light of the fact that the thing that people are most concerned about is covering health care costs in retirement, so it is a little surprising that so many would be uh, cashing out their, their investment or their balance prior to retirement.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that. Um, another surprising thing I think that I didn't know as much about was... Um, the IRS required documentation for FSA accounts, and uh, almost forty-six percent of respondents who use FSA accounts cited that as the um, the number one thing they would change and the number one pain point for FSA accounts. Yeah. See, so, you now this is something that I have a
1: lot of like firsthand experience in um, in the pharmacy space, where um, customers who have FSA accounts. Um, have to you know it it happens at least probably like once a day someone would come in um requesting a receipt or some kind of documentation because they got a letter in the mail saying you need to account for this dollar amount spent on on these days and um it is kind of um a little confusing and um a little daunting for the the patients to have to handle that information if they don't keep up with their records and their receipts, so
0: well for anyone who works in it like you know an industry where you ha- you end up having to fill out your own expense reports, you know it's very much like that where you have to you know have the receipts you have to have uh, the dates and all that, so it's very much in the same light, but that's you know an extra expense report you have to do just to pay for your health care yeah right so yeah, so that was that we get more into these uh you know, at a more close level, uh, with Alicia, like during the interview. So we're just going to move it on and, um, get to the next one, which is the, um, proportion of spenders versus savers in HSA accounts. So we already talked about how many people cash out in their HSA investment, but this is just for your regular HSA accounts. Um, almost 82% of participants said that they spend their HSA money as opposed to save it. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, also kind of another like wrinkle on that, the majority of savers, um, that 18% are on the two like polar opposite ends of the age spectrum. The biggest savers are those under age 25 and those over age 65, whereas the biggest spenders are in the middle, which um, I think we could maybe infer why that is, um, you know, in that middle say, like, age 35 to 54, um, you're dealing with a lot of child care, um, potentially you, dealing with... You have dependents, you know? Yeah, you have dependents, and, and you also, or maybe that might be the age wherein you're developing, like, chronic disease states, potentially, um, where you're facing a lot of, like, upfront charges.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, so the next statistic, Zach, that we're going to talk about is also going back to the HSA investment uh, tool. So, do you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, like we already talked about, how um, about forty-five percent of respondents see it as an investment tool, um, but there's a there's a seems to be a barrier there um, to understanding that the investment aspect of it. Um, so, one of the of the reasons why people aren't investing um 36 percent of non-investors cite low balances so they just like don't have enough in their account to justify um doing the investment just because you won't get very much growth but even more so the majority cite just general lack of knowledge about the about the ability to invest which you know that would have been us as well we didn't even know that that was a thing
0: yeah i mean this was i think one of the one of the more powerful insights in this report for me was basically not only was I learning about a new tool, I was also learning that I was of the uh large proportion of people who had no idea that it even existed. so how could I take advantage of it right mm-hmm. So I think you know that's something we touch up on with Alicia is basically you know as a marketer uh you know she's making efforts to get this message out more strongly so that that forty three point five percent of people who just don't know of it is even existing in the first place that number can start shrinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so, okay, we are almost there. The last one I think we wanted to touch up on was how demographics kind of also influence some of these trends, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, so one of the really interesting things was the, the shift in how people... Uh, seek out knowledge about these things. Um, there was an increase from 5% to 8% of respondents whose most important decision-making factor was advice from friends, family, or advisors. And the, the observation is made that that is likely due to the increase of millennials in the workforce and the, the fact that most millennials would use those tools as, as like learning, sources of learning.
0: Yeah, and it, you know it makes sense if you think about it because the way that the climate of healthcare that we grew up in is very different than the climate that our parents and grandparents grew up in. You know, healthcare costs weren't to this name, to the you know, near the same staggering level, and it wasn't as I guess uh, it was mo- it was more manageable at the time for most you know people. Uh, likewise, the way we consume content, right? The where we seek our influences as a younger demographic. Uh, it's important that, or it's, I guess it's not surprising that the way we seek out information is different from the, you know, the generation before us.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, some people might be learning about this through a podcast.
0: That's true. I mean, we basically learned about it through our podcast. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you want to touch up on before we get the interview? No, no. I'm pretty excited to
1: get the ball rolling.
0: All right. Well, we are going to kick it off. This is our interview with Alicia Main, VP of Marketing for Connect Your Care. Marty here. One quick note before we get to the interview. Around the eight minute mark, you will hear a beeping sound in the background. That is the sound of Zach's fire alarm going off while we were recording. You can hear Zach's explanation on that after our outro music in this episode. Other than that, enjoy the interview. So as we promised earlier in the episode, um, we are here with Alicia Main, who is the VP of Marketing for Connect Your Care. Um, Alicia, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. It's an honor. I don't know if you know this, but you are our first guest on the podcast.
2: Oh, wow. I do feel very honored then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you been on a podcast before?
2: I haven't, but I have listened to very many of them.
0: Perfect, well, we are glad to be the first podcast that you've joined. So I guess um, you know, we've discussed the report a little bit, um Zach and I have previously. So would you mind, I guess introducing yourself a little bit more and um discussing why you're here?
2: Sure, so um I'm the vice president of marketing here at Connect your Care. And at Connector Care, we provide health savings accounts, flexible spending accounts, and other pre-tax accounts that employees can use to pay for health care and really stretch their budgets to cover this important but often expensive basic need. And admittedly, I'm a little bit of a research geek, so I'm especially excited to be able to share with you the findings um, and the analysis of a study we researched, we recently published that surveyed over 40,000 workers across the US and identified trends on how real people are actually using their healthcare accounts, these HSAs, FSAs, HRAs, and trends around their perceptions on healthcare and their ability to pay for healthcare in the future.
0: Well, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you taking the time to discuss this topic. It's obviously extremely important. Healthcare is something that, you know, everyone seems to be worried about. It's, it's a hot button issue right now and you know saving for retirement is becoming in this uh in this light more and more difficult to predict right because there's so many so much fluctuation when it comes to the growth and of you know healthcare inflation and healthcare costs and and all that so uh zach do you want to uh cue us up
1: yeah yeah so going off of that i think just to set of uh foundation for our listeners, can you explain some of the differences between an HSA and an FSA and HRA and sort of what those letters mean?
2: Yeah. (laughs) So most people are familiar with at least one of those types of accounts. They've been offered them uh, that type of account through their employer in the past. But if you're like my friends and family, it's an alphabet soup and it all runs (laughs) together. And it's hard to remember what these accounts do and how they're different. So, real quick, all of these accounts fall under the umbrella of consumer-directed healthcare, which means they are designed to give consumers more power and control over how they pay for healthcare. And the beauty of these accounts are that they all allow you to pay for healthcare with pre-tax money, uh, which allows you to save on your healthcare expenses and then put more money back into your own pockets. The Three different types of accounts that we focus on the most are health savings accounts, flexible spending accounts, and health reimbursement arrangements. And there's different rules that vary slightly around how they're regulated and how you're able to use them. And I won't get into all the details, but I do wanna touch on the fact that the HSA, the health savings account, is the most consumer friendly account type because it allows you to save and grow for the future. Uh, you can even grow and use these funds in retirement uh, to cover out of pocket healthcare expenses that really, really can add up.
0: Fantastic. And I know um, in your report, you know, mentioned HSA investing. Would you like to, I guess, touch upon that uh, and what opportunities that entails?
2: Yeah. So HSAs uh, have been compared to a 401k because you can take your account funds and you can invest them in mutual fund investment options and really grow them for the future. So especially in this hot uh, stock market um, economy we're seeing right now, you can see significant growth. Uh, Let's look at a millennial who's starting to work in their 20s. They're not going to retire until their 60s. They have all that time to invest and grow their HSA in the future, especially now when they're a young worker and they might not uh, be using those account funds for their family or for maternity leave or some of those expenses that will happen later on in life. That's the time to really grow and build that account.
0: It sounds like you're uh, trying to tell me that I need to start. You know, worrying a little more about this then in that case. Um, Yeah,
2: you know what? I was reading a study recently about the best place to put your next retirement dollar. A lot of advisors are advising the HSA over a 401k. And I immediately, even though I'm in the industry, uh, once I saw that article, I went and I upped my own HSA contributions because the the amplified um, effect down the road can be quite significant
0: wow that's that's impressive because obviously you know it's any uh financier would advise you to take full advantage of your 401k but you know a responsible financier would say take advantage of both your HSA and 401k to the fullest right you got it all right Zach you want to go
2: yeah
1: so there seemed to be um the the report indicated that many individuals who have an HSA are very knowledgeable about. What their HSA account can do and and how to how to manage it, but that seemed to kind of be in contrast with how many people were unaware that it could be used as an investment tool. How do you go about addressing this kind of education issue and this um, I guess misconception that exists about HSA accounts?
2: Yeah, so that's a really interesting point that we were f- fascinated with as well. So. We're finding that employees' overall, um, let's say, healthcare uh, IQ is on the rise. So they're thinking more about healthcare costs. They're trying to be smarter about how to to manage their costs, um, and their their education level is growing um, around healthcare in general, their benefits offerings that their employers are offering, um, and just how to maximize the benefits for themselves and how to be smarter about it. Mm-hmm. But While employees understand uh, the long-term savings advantages of an HSA, they might just not Quite be there when it comes to leveraging those mutual fund investments that are an additional benefit with their account. So there's a few reasons why they might not be leveraging those investment options. Uh, they may be depleting their account each year for healthcare expenses, expenses, uh, meaning they have to cover their healthcare expenses, and that's exactly what the health savings account is designed to do to make sure that you're able to pay for your healthcare either now or in the future. Um, they might not. Quite be ready to take the investment plunge or as the 401k industry found out years ago they really want to begin investing and they know that they should they just haven't gotten around to doing it yet and i think of it kind of like exercise we all know we should go to the gym and do it but sometimes it's just a little bit easier to lay on the couch a little bit longer
0: it's always easier to lay on the couch right <laughs> So, I guess with that, um knowing what you know based off, you know, that data that you were just talking about. So, knowing what you know from this report and the data that you've gathered, um how can you as a marketer, but also more holistically as a consumer directed healthcare administrator address this disconnect from perception versus reality?
2: Right. So because there is that resistance to overcome when it comes to HSA investments, we found that... Creative messaging and positioning can help motivate the HSA account holder to make this change. So uh, one of the interesting things that we've done recently is we have segmented our messaging to speak directly to different generations. So for example, a millennial would get a different message from a boomer than from a Gen X. And we've done a lot of research around how these different generations approach uh, healthcare and making decisions. And so we try to, massage the messaging and the imagery to speak directly to that uh, type of employee and motivate them in that way. Um, Another way that we overcome uh, any sort of resistance or obstacles is just to make it easier. So when you're setting up, yeah, when you're setting up an investment account with us, uh, it's really just a couple clicks and you're done. And then we have a mobile app that allows you to manage your investments anywhere. So we want to make sure it's easy as possible for anybody to get saving and really um, make sure that they have that financial advantage in the future.
0: Yeah, and it seems that you are pretty effective with that because from based off, you know, the self-report data off the report, it even even said I think something like eighty five percent of individuals that respond or respondents, you know, even said that in terms of ease of use, that's not the issue. You know? Right. So I guess switching back to HSA's uh, we've seen, or your report shows that HSA participation is on the rise. And do you see this trend continuing? And why is it that HSAs are on the rise versus their counterparts?
2: Right. So HSAs are the most attractive option out of that alphabet soup that we went through before to the consumer. Um, In addition to being an account that's owned by the employee, owned by the worker uh, to save and grow for, retirement or for whenever you may need those funds. It's also the only account type out there that offers a triple tax savings. And when I say triple tax savings, I mean money in is not taxed, money out when used for eligible expenses is not taxed, and that investment growth that we talk about is not taxed. So that makes it even more uh, attractive than a 401k or other retirement options that are out there. So we're seeing more and more employers turning to that option and offering that to employees and we see more and more employees seeking that out and specifically when we look at employers we're seeing jumbo employers or the country's largest companies they're more and more likely to restructure their entire benefits offerings to only offer HSA plan options Um, and this helps their workforce uh, um, build those funds for the future. It also shows a partnership in their health care and helps uh, all workers, but especially millennial workers, begin building that nest egg uh, right when they start working.
1: So talking a little bit about how, you know, the why HSA is more attractive, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that came out of the report was a major complaint about the FSA accounts, and that's the IRS required documentation. Can you speak a little bit to that about why that is a requirement for FSA as opposed to HSA and uh, how that problem could potentially be dealt with or if it even can be dealt with?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's no surprise that that's the number one pain point when it comes to flexible spending accounts that documentation that you have to submit to substantiate your expense. And that's in keeping with IRS guidelines. They wanna make sure when you're using those tax advantaged funds, that they are for an eligible expense and within those tax guidelines. Um, Health savings accounts, on the other hand, because they're an employee-owned account, the employee is actually assuming that risk and uh, the account holder is assuming the risk and they are essentially saying hey I'm going to kind of self-audit myself I'm going to make sure that all of my expenses are eligible I'm going to hang on to those receipts in case they're ever asked for during tax time but the HSA account holder is not going to have to re- submit receipts uh, to their administrator as they're, they're submitting claims. Okay. So back well, that's to- big- oh, go ahead. Yeah, so back to flexible spending accounts, you know, we've heard this throughout the years. FSAs have been around for a long time um, and that common complaint around submitting documentation has has hung over um, uh, people's heads and sometimes they won't even enroll in an FSA because they dread uh, having to submit receipts. Um, And so we've created some innovative solutions. We've created deep links within the healthcare system as well as a solution we call Claims Ally, which automatically substantiate as many claims as possible. And we've been able to bring that number of receipts that we have to ask for uh, down to a minimal amount. And then those few claims that still require receipts, we also make that easy um by giving tools that allow the participant to quickly and easily submit the receipts. so we have a mobile app where the user can just take a, a receipt with their phone i'm sorry a picture of their receipt with their phone and upload it directly to us and then uh and then it's quick and easy that way.
1: well, I was just gonna say i being on the having been on the pharmacy end of that and dealing with um you know prescription claims and having to get the documentation for that, I have seen that patients who have FSA accounts are in most cases, very literate about what is expected and what's required of them. Um, it is mostly just the, the the slight hassle, the inconvenience of having to run out and either, you know, collect a receipt if you fail to keep yours or figure out what specific charge goes where. Um, it is an interesting and unique issue.
0: All right. Well, um, moving forward with another, I think, um data point that struck out to me was that survey respondents, uh, when asked if they tend to save or spend their HSA balance, uh, roughly 82% indicate that they spend their balance, whereas about 18% indicate that they save their funds. Now, you know, clearly with individual health care, there's a fundamental lack of health care literacy and understanding oftentimes. And likewise, there are countless variables that influence one's ability to save or invest in their own healthcare. So with all that being said, and all that being on the table, how much true choice do people have when it comes to being a spender or a saver from your perspective?
2: Gosh, that's such an interesting question because obviously your health status factors into whether you can be a a spender or a saver. Um, Some people of course have um, drastically different healthcare needs and need all of their account funds to cover their healthcare and their family healthcare. And I also want to back up and say that there's no stigma to being, no negative stigma to being a an HSA spender. It's just how you approach using that account, right? So clearly it's going to differ. There's going to be a certain population that's going to need to use their HSA uh, to cover their healthcare expenses. And, and really that's that's what it's there for. It's to help people cover their healthcare expenses. However, though, for most Americans, you may be able to make choices that move you into the saver column. For example, you could pay for some out-of-pocket expenses using your personal funds instead of using your HSA, and therefore you're preserving that HSA balance and then you can also make sure you're making financially smart healthcare choices like always asking for generics over brand name prescriptions and that will also help you preserve your your HSA funds so there's little things that you can do to nudge yourself towards that saver column
1: so i'm i'm kind of interested in this area as well but kind of from a different um a different point of view with the the rise of high deductible health plans how how do you see that affecting the the saving versus spending balance of hsa accounts it seems like to me that it would tip it very much into the uh the spending side of things as as you know um copays high deductibles kind of demand higher copays and blowing out the, your your savings essentially
2: yeah, you would think that, but if you think about it from a long term perspective, um these accounts are, are meant to give you a long runway to build up your your account your savings for when you need them for health care. Um and remember with these qualified plans, all of your preventative care is covered. So you don't have to tap into your account for any of your annual physicals or any of those type expenses. Um, They're truly designed to make sure that people are getting the healthcare that they need. We've also created a product that allows people to tap into their future contributions. So when they have not built up a balance yet, they're able to uh, accelerate their funding from contributions that they have Uh, scheduled coming down the road. So, for example, if my plan year starts in January and I have a zero balance because it's the first time I'm on this type of plan and uh, I have to go to the dentist, let's say, and I needed $300, I can borrow ahead and use funds from future contributions and cover that $300 easily. I don't even have to do anything. It's automatic in our system. And then as my contributions uh, from my paycheck go back into the system, that balance uh, restores itself. Uh, we call that HSA on demand and it's a, it's a really great feature for helping employees make sure they have the, the money they need for that care.
0: But definitely, you know, takes a little bit of the pressure and the stress off of the management of one's healthcare expenses. And, you know, going a little I guess off script here how much of the onus do you do you will see in terms of getting the word out for all these tools that you will have to offer is more on yourselves in in terms of connect your care or more on the employer
2: yeah so we forge uh, really tight partnerships with our employer groups because every employee population is different and so we find for our messaging to be effective We need to uh, get into the minds of that group and apply that unique twist to the messaging. So we have lots of great tools. Uh, We wrote FSAs for dummies and HSAs for dummies, um, (laughs) and we have them out there as a resource. Um, But then when we are working with our employers to really drive the needle and drive that education, we create those customized Communications that that really do need to be adjusted to meet that unique population, unique populations' needs. So each employee population has been on a different benefits journey, depending upon what types of benefits the employer has offered over the years. Um, so that might be one element we take into account as we roll out the messaging. And people really trust their employer. Um, They trust their employer to make decisions that are right for them, Um, and we find that benefits teams take a lot, take the employee uh, experience into consideration wholeheartedly when they're picking out a vendor or when they're putting together communications. They really want to make the choices that are best for the employee. So that tight partnership that we have with employers to make sure that that messaging is targeted uh, really does help um, make sure that we have more effective communications.
0: I guess building off of something you mentioned earlier, which was the trends with millennials. And you know, obviously you're gonna have different trends with different uh, population subsets. In your report, uh, your report indicated that millennials entering the labor force are consuming information and making decisions more based on advice from friends, family, or financial advisors. Um, knowing this presents an opportunity to address this population preemptively. Um, how do you see that you and your company can make a direct impact with this specific population that's only going to be growing as the years go by.
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, there's millennials. You got to love them, right? They're great. <laughs> um, you know, what we found is that millennials do want to do the right thing when it comes to money, um, saving their money and, and making the right decisions around their money. And they are actually very likely to react to to advice that they're provided. They just need to have it delivered in a way that, that works for them. So um, mobile delivery videos, um, and that advice, like you said, from family or friends are, is the best way to move the dial. Um, one thing I think that's interesting about this population is they're most likely to label themselves as a saver, but they're also least likely to rate themselves as knowledgeable about their accounts and they're least likely to worry about how they'll pay for healthcare and retirement. So it is important to get that message out to them to help them build that nest egg for the future, Um, but it needs to be indigestible information um, presented in a way that's going to resonate with them.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I guess moving on the opposite end of the spectrum from millennials, thinking about the retiring population, how? What advice would you give to um, maybe those who are getting close to retirement to begin preparing and to to make good decisions to to prepare themselves to cover the health care costs in retirement?
2: Yeah, so boomers actually have a great advantage. Um, those over 55 are able to put an additional $1,000 into their HSA each year. Um, So that gives you a a little more flexibility to pad your account with that tax-free money uh, prior to retirement. So that's a great advantage. But, um, you know, there's a lot of scary numbers being tossed out there around how much you'll need to save for retirement. So I think that sitting down and figuring out what you'll actually need in retirement, there's a lot of calculators out there, but you can also sit down with your financial planner Um, and making that plan is something that that boomers really need to uh, take on to their task list and and make sure that they do that sooner rather than later. Um, Many people think that Medicare is going to cover all of their costs, and it can be a startling reality check when they find out that they're going to have to dip into their retirement nest egg to cover health care. So um, really, I recommend sitting down with a financial planner and ensuring you have a plan put together to cover the significant costs.
1: Okay, I guess this this may be difficult to just just distill down, but do you see one maybe particular pitfall or obstacle that retirees face when planning for their for their health care later in life?
2: Yeah, I think healthcare in general can just be confusing, right? So you don't know how much something is going to cost. We spend a lot of time researching our next car, researching our next TV, All of those costs are very visible and easily easy to compare as a consumer. Healthcare isn't that easy. Um, You could spend hours calling around to find your cheapest doctor, but you're probably not going to want to go make that your your final decision. So I really think the transparency and costs is something that um, that. Is a little bit of a challenge when people come to planning for retirement, um, but then there also there's just that question mark out there. You know, it's not something uh, easy to plan when you're thinking about the contingencies and what could happen, and of course, you know, trying to estimate how long we're going to need to cover our healthcare and and how long that uh, <laughs> when it will run out. So yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of variables in the mix.
0: Absolutely. So. Alicia we do first thank you for taking the time out to be on this call with us uh, to be on our podcast we really appreciate it we know you're extremely busy Um, but we do a segment on our podcast called last thoughts where basically you can you can discuss anything that's going on in the world or going on in your life or politics pop culture what have you Zach usually likes to stick with Disney and Star Wars and uh, that's his brand and I go elsewhere Sports, only sports. I don't only go sports, Zach. You're wild. Mm -hmm. Um, But but Alicia, do you have a last thought you'd like to share with us?
2: Yeah, well, I am just delighted that you guys had me on to thank you so much. I did just get to talk about all these things that I'm passionate about. Um, And now I get to talk about one more thing. (laughs) Um, And when you asked me that question, it made me think about a book that I'm reading right now. It's a nonfiction book about the Golden State Killer, The book is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and it profiles how the Golden State Killer, uh, um, this is a a A serial killer in California from the 70s, um, evaded the law for so long. And he was actually just recently captured uh, because one of his relatives submitted DNA to one of those um, online DNA testing sites. So to me, it's just so interesting that he was able to evade the the law for so long. But in the end, technology caught up to him and uh, is bringing him to justice. So um, fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. It actually kind of sounds, um, it reminds me of, I guess, how the Unabomber got caught, you know, it got turned in by your own family.
1: Yeah. Only <laughs> even more indirectly. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, I've actually seen since that came out in the news, um, I work a little bit in genetic testing and, and it, people are already a little bit more trepidatious about having their information out there, but makes me just wonder what oh what do you have to hide what are you being what are you guilty of <laughs> <laughs>
0: right well even then, though, you have to think it's it's it has to be terrifying for some people because what if you were to take your genetic test and find out you had a you know debilitating disease that you were prone to like huntington's or something that's true yeah sometimes and ignorance you, is bliss would you want to yeah would you want to live the next 20 years of your young life knowing that might be the it might be the end of it right mm-hmm so definitely brings up an interesting uh, issue, but uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us.
2: Thank you. Thanks for uh, having me. Boom,
0: boom. All right, we're back. And that was our interview with Alicia Maine. She was she was fantastic.
1: Yeah, great first guest. Couldn't have asked for anyone better.
0: Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, what'd you what'd you think? What'd you think, Zach? Um,
1: I thought this was like really good and helpful. She you know covered all of our questions really thoroughly, and and um, I, I feel like a lot more a, a lot. I feel much better equipped to kind of rifle through this. Um, all of this information um, regarding HSAs, FSAs, have a better idea, but there's still like a few things that I'm a little unsure about, um, a few things that we didn't touch on, um, like this one idea that is talked about in the study of um, the decreasing employer contribution to HSA accounts and how that sort of affects things moving forward, because, you um, Year over year, from 2017 to 2018, saw an average decrease in the amount of contributions um, because employee contributions, though they increased, they weren't able to match the decrease from employers.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah, that was something that stuck out to me too because, you know, when I saw these numbers, I had to actually calculate it out to figure out um, what the net difference was. But um, the average employer contribution is going down. 14% from last year, whereas the average employee contribution is going up 9%. However, when you calculate it out, the average the average individual is netting $50 less in their HSA account uh, when it comes to contributions year over year, which $50 less isn't a big deal. But that's kind of plateauing your contributions. And that would only make sense if healthcare costs were also plateauing. But we know that's not the case, so it's uh, that's where it's kind of concerning that the amount of contribution going down from employers is outweighing the increase in contribution from employees in HSA accounts. So yeah, um, that was I think that I think we covered just about everything, Zach. So so too, yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, um, thanks again, Alicia. We had a great time in our interview, and I hope the audience enjoyed it as well but it is time for last thoughts. So Zach, why don't you kick us off? Okay. So
1: this isn't like a, you know, um, you know, me retracting my earlier statement or anything necessarily, but oh, I feel like Kanye. I have to I feel like I have to address the elephant in the room um of how last time, you know, I talked about Kanye's um, new philo- philosophical tweets and his new album, and then about a week later, all this stuff happened. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really here to talk about, um, you know, Kanye as a, as a MAGA bro, whatever. That's not really what I want to address. Um, what I actually want to talk about is. Um, an article that I read kind of in response to both that situation and the really awesome um, song music video performance that Childish Gambino released for um, the song This Is America, which um, If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's really awesome. Really thought-provoking Just a good piece of art, but kind of after that came out there was this take going around the internet that was kind of like oh well we've lost kanye but at least childish gambino is awesome now um i actually saw it described um maddie had sent me a a tweet that was like um when god closes a kanye he opens a childish gambino um which is pretty funny but i read an article that was essentially like we shouldn't make Donald Glover um, the anti-Kanye um, because it's just actually just not a very good take. Because these are still human people who are bound to make mistakes and will always disappoint you, um, which I thought was really interesting. And well, I don't kind want to sound like
0: oh, well. Let me let me jump in real quick. But like, I don't want to sound like using the cliche like oh, the media creating controversy again. You know, but. This would be 100% media-created animosity, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is hilarious to think about.
1: Right. So I, uh, I just thought that was really interesting in response to the way all this has happened, this kind of, like, weird cult of celebrity thing. And, you know, I don't know. I... On one hand, yeah, maybe I'm, like, a little disappointed in some of the things that I'm seeing running around on Twitter and the effect that all of Kanye's stuff is happening. Um, But I don't know. I'm still excited for his new albums. We'll see how they go. If his new albums are bad and his Twitter is bad, then we'll talk. But um, I don't know. But at the same time, we're going to see Childish Gambino. So I'm excited about that.
0: Well, I... I don't want to say I told you so, but <laughs> but you did. <laughs> but I've been saying it. I've been on that bandwagon for oh, a man. minute now.
1: scoop dee poop.
0: I just knew poop. Was... That was such. I, I. You know. I listened to the the both oh, those songs.
1: Oh, I. I listened to it once a day. I've started to listen <sighs> to it unironically
0: because the beat is just so good. The beat on the second one is, but those songs are so bad. I mean, how much did he have to, like, <clears throat> what favor did T.I. owe him to get on that, or to put himself on oh, that? Oh,
1: man, you know, that's actually really interesting, because I I haven't actually tracked down the interview, but apparently T.I. did an interview after that, and said that, like, when he was talking to Kanye, Kanye had never heard of the travel ban, which, oh A, gosh. on, like, one hand, I'm not surprised, um, but B, it's, it also kind of, like, deflates everything else that's, like, going on. It's like, you really can't take it. Anything he's politically that he's saying seriously, because he is not informed. Yeah. And even though I think he's like a very intelligent person, just because of like I think his as an artist he has a, like a high degree of artistic intelligence. That doesn't necessarily make him equipped to be like a political messiah, which some people seem to want him make him out to be.
0: Yeah, I feel like people. Gave him, like, because he started calling himself a genius, people really just started to, like, he talked it into fruition. Well, like, I, now mean, think I, d- I think he is a genius. I think
1: he is a genius. I mean, I, my beautiful Dark Twisted fantasy is like one of the, like, greatest. Like, if you think of all the things he's done with, like, A, his music, B, his, like, clothing, his clothing. And, like, what is line. His clothing line is a joke. But it's like the things that he's been able to make and, and I guess, you know, even like but even, even if, the
0: things he could be he's been able to make he like just his, walks down like the street, see someone in ripped pants. And he's like, OK, that's that's the inspiration. I need. Well,
1: but like the I guess I mean, I'm not trying to like buy into like will to power here, but I guess I kind of am like he, it,
0: he is. It really he's that like resp- a master
1: marketer. I
0: mean, sure. that But that's just because of the brand. That's because of his but like he made the brand fame. Sure, he did, but that, does that make him a genius?
1: I mean, I don't know. How do you, I,
0: Trump marketed himself into the presidency does that yeah, make him a genius yeah, just but, based on that alone?
1: I mean, I don't know. It is a wishy-wash. It is a slippery slope, and like that's why the Trump and and Kanye comparisons are um, uncomfortably uh, apt and similar. Mm. I don't know. I still, I mean, I still think he's a genius. Maybe one day I'll change my mind.
0: Well, um, my closing thought on that is his shoes are ugly too. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Yeah. I know
0: nothing about fashion. My fashion
1: opinion is, um, it, it's, it need not
0: apply here. Ugh. You don't need to have a, a strong opinion in fashion to know that that's just bad. That's just bad. I think
1: some of his, I think his shoes look cool.
0: You can, uh, you can die on that hill alone. Yeah, I I'm
1: like sitting here looking at pictures of Yeezys and I see multiple that I would gladly wear if they didn't cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. If I didn't have to pay as little as $185 a month to own them. That's literally like there's a financing plan that I'm looking at here. Um
0: $185 a month. She's got a financing plan you gotta, you got to get a different pair of shoes, man. That's out of the budget. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. That's my piece of financial wisdom for everybody. Wow. Well, that's all I got. All right. Um, I'm actually scrapping what I was going to do for my last thought and uh, go off on a different tangent because what we just talked about reminded me of it. Um, we think about this whole cell phones now having finance like financing plans as opposed to just buying them outright. Um, so, so or not gonna... buying them outright. I mean, or buying them outright as opposed to... The two hundred dollars for two year plan commitment.
1: So like the subsidy thing, like right. so they so they used to be like subsidized, where you'd pay a big upfront um, amount and then like a smaller monthly fee, um, and then now it's more just like a straight up like you said finance
0: thing. Um, yeah, but you didn't pay a monthly fee with uh, if you did like the two hundred for two year commitment, you know. I thought you did. You still did. I thought. No, that's for your own was insurance. Was so.
1: that just your well? But insurance. like your well, hey. but it was like your your plan yeah okay i guess i see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah.
0: but like now you pay you literally pay monthly for the phone out or you pay the full price which is like most of the time over triple what it used to cost when you got the two-year commitment um, yeah but you also
1: like now you usually don't have a two-year commitment you're usually maybe like locked into like a one-year thing
0: how many people are bouncing phone networks that often
1: not phone network i mean like phone like like after a year, you you're like eligible for an upgrade, or you're um, yeah, like you. It's almost kind of like leasing. Yeah, it's really that's what it's like most similar to. I think is like you're leasing your phone. That really is honestly. You're paying the, like a flat monthly fee to get the best new phone every year.
0: I had a roommate that did that pretty much every every year, and yeah. uh, I
1: just never understood it you know i used to be like really i like, like i used to get really excited about the prospect of getting a new phone and like upgrading and doing all the you know taking advantage of all the cool new stuff but um i'm really like kind of over it and it's not just me being like oh man i don't like new technology that's not true because i man like Zach. i like you know i spend i, I don't know like video games and stuff like that, I get, like, caught up in that, but, he doesn't, um, man. but, like, I, I don't use my phone for very much other than, like, basic internet, um, social media, um, you know, communication, you know, and most of the time thing. I just come home and, like, throw it on the table and don't look at it for the rest of the night, so, I don't need I don't need like an iPhone 10. The to... the
0: newest software isn't going to put you into a different like app sphere that right, you Right, right, exactly. To yeah, exactly because even like, you know, um, phones
1: have almost kind of not they've well, actually this is part of it and I've You know, I wonder about this with like Apple, if this has to do with just like the post Steve Jobs Apple or if it's just that all things are kind of plateauing. But the incremental, um, you know, advancements are very small now, whereas it used to be like a new phone or a new product came out and it was revolutionary in some way. Right, right, You know, thinking about, like, to back to, like, the iPod days, even. You know, each new thing had some cool new feature or was really um, special in some way. And now it's like, oh, yeah, Animoji's
0: cool, but... Yeah, I mean, the new generations definitely aren't differentiating themselves from their old ones at nearly mm-hmm. the same pace they used to. Right. But, so, yeah, there's definitely a plateauing effect there. But that that was my last thought. So um hope you all enjoyed the episode you know as always follow us on all our platforms and um, write us and review us but other than that uh, i think zach it is time for some lazy sunday
2: Like, do you want to tell
0: do you want to tell her uh, what was going on on your end when you had to mute yourself?
1: Yeah, so I had to mute myself during the the call my uh, our, our my wife was I I'm actually recording from my home and my wife was in the kitchen cooking a meal and our smoke detector started going off so I had a small panic moment, but that's just the, that. the realities of podcasting. <laughs>